Hello, welcome to Thoughts on Thoughts, a podcast where you, our listeners, can become part of a conversation with us. We are three therapists who are going to talk about the good, the hard, and all the in-betweens of life. Come join us. Welcome to episode four, guys. We're going to be talking about communication skills today. I am your host, your first host, Jessica Miller, and we also have Taylor Thomas, third host, Christiana Reed. That's all the hosts. That's all we've got. That's all we need. We're happy to have you guys. <laughs> Who wants to start communicating about communication? Eh? Oh, oh, love oh. Communicating. <laughs> Yeah, so originally we wanted to talk about communication skills because we find that most of the time that's what a lot of our clients are struggling with when they come in to talk to us. Um, They're usually struggling in like a marriage or a friendship or with their family or mom and dad to kind of communicate, understand the other person and um, to make those interactions more positive. So we felt pretty strongly about talking about communication today, and we're going to be talking about how to be a good listener, which seems like a really easy thing, but sometimes it's not. So we're going to talk about that skill of becoming a good listener and then how you can talk to people in a positive way and understand them and have them understand you as well. So how do you listen to somebody? What does that look like? What a good question. Especially because I feel like I'm not very good at this and I'm a therapist. <laughs> like I really have to check myself on this a lot because I think when we listen to people, our first inclination is to start thinking about what we're going to say in response while they're still talking. Yes. And yeah. that does not work because if our mind is going, thinking about how we're going to respond, we're likely missing a ton of things that they're saying Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. a lot of times our response does not match up with what they actually said Mm -hmm. and then we have that disconnect which can get really frustrating really fast yeah that's like this quote from Stephen Covey he said most people do not listen with the intent to understand they listen with the intent to reply so that's exactly what KJ was just saying is that most of the time you're sitting there and that we find that a lot in um, romantic relationships, especially when somebody's talking or maybe saying something that you don't agree with. You're literally just waiting for them to stop talking so then you can talk. And sometimes you don't even wait for them to stop. Yes, that's a great you're just point. interrupting so you can start making your point right away. Yeah. And especially I see this with parents and kids. I do a lot of therapy with parents and they're like, kind of like seven to 12 year olds and parents will interrupt them and then get so mad when the child interrupts them. Like it's <laughs> such a double standard because the parent is listening to reply, but expects the child to listen, hear what they're saying and learn from it. So yes. we have really these uneven expectations between ourselves and other people. Having that awareness of how you're communicating to people so you can either reel it in or step it up Uh, notice Mm -hmm. if you're interrupting people, if you're the person that's dominating the conversation, wants to make your point heard, you're probably not listening 
as much to the other person. And some of those things can even flow into you becoming a one-upper or seeming like a Mm one-upper. Like you always Mm -hmm. have something more to say, sharing your story all the time instead of validating what they just said. Mm -hmm. So some things Mm -hmm. to consider. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also really interesting just thinking about the, I mean, we all know what it's like when somebody's listening to us and when somebody's hearing us, like actually hearing what we're saying, because somebody, I can be sitting with someone and they'll be listening to me. Sure. Sure. They're here. They're taking in what I'm saying, but when somebody really hears you, that's powerful. And so you want to, you want to think about that when you're with somebody, am I just listening to them or am I hearing them? And I'm, am I making them feel heard? and understood and appreciated like I love sitting here with them and that they're a priority in my life, you know? Right. And those are our reflective listening skills that we can use to help people know that we are listening and we're connecting with them. And so it's as simple as listening to what they say. And like that Stephen R. Covey quote, listening to listen And to show them that you're listening, you're going to state back the gist of what they said. Mm -hmm. So like, so what I'm hearing from you, Taylor, is that you're unhappy with how often I do the dishes Mm -hmm. or, oh my gosh, you're right, Taylor. I also had an experience where my mom wasn't listening to me. And that tells Mm -hmm. Taylor, oh, she understood what I was saying. She was listening to the main part of my conversation and you don't have to reflect back every convert like every detail because then that will get really obnoxious yeah but it's basically saying hey I heard you and this is what I understood and so in therapy what it looks like is I'll be like oh so you're saying this and people are very good at stepping up and correcting me if I'm wrong Mm -hmm. and so it gives you that opportunity to find out where you are listening incorrectly and where you're doing it with your own bias maybe. And mm-hmm. so then it gives that person that you're working with talking to the opportunity to say, actually, here's what I meant. And then you listen to what they meant and then you reflect that back and then you guys can actually move on. Yeah. And I think too, we can point out the difference here between having empathy and expressing empathy versus expressing sympathy. Because if you express sympathy, that can actually feel like you're discrediting somebody or you're silver yes. lining something. Yeah. But saying something as simple as, wow, that's so hard. Instead of saying, well, I know you just talked to me about how you're getting a divorce, but, you know, it'll be fun to get out and play the field a little bit again. I don't know mm-hmm. if anybody. Yeah. One of my favorite silver linings is from Gilmore Girls. And Lorelai Gilmore says to her mom, like, oh, my gosh, one of my friends from school killed her husband. And then her mom says, at least she had a husband to kill. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Okay. Oh, my gosh. Is that really so connecting much judgment here? and shame. <laughs> and that's really when we silver lining it, it really is. It's shaming them for feeling what they're feeling, right? So like, well, you have cancer, but at least it's treatable, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's shaming you for saying, I have cancer and I'm having a hard time with that. They put the silver lining on it. And I got that a lot with infertility things of like, yes, very dismissive of like, you'll figure it out later. And people, I didn't feel like were listening to me and what was happening. They were just kind of trying to dismiss it because that sympathy doesn't want to sit in that uncomfortable emotion. Whereas that empathy, 
they're going to come down with me and be like, oh, I've had hard things happen. So I can imagine that for you, this is really frustrating. And then they can actually listen and you feel heard and validated. Yeah. And I think this ties back to our last episode about emotional awareness, because if you work on being emotionally aware, you're going to be comfortable with emotions, which is key for actually being a good communicator. Because Mm -hmm. if you're comfortable with emotions, you can express empathy because you're willing to join somebody in that emotion and feel it with them. People, you know, express sympathy because it's kind of like a, oh, I'm, I'm, making this better so that we don't have to feel this feeling right now because they don't want to feel it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I, I feel like this happened last night with my husband and I, we were like talking and checking in and everything. And he was just having a really hard time um, at work. He's just been working for a ton of days in a row, lots of patients to see and all this stuff. And he was like, Oh yeah, man, I'm just feeling so overwhelmed. And He's like, I'm just feeling, you know, kind of lost. And, and for some reason I wasn't in that place. Like I wasn't hearing him and I wasn't in it. And so I said something along the lines of, well, don't worry, because at least you have Saturday off. Like you have Saturday off. You can get through this week. Like we'll hang out. And what's interesting is he said, he said, yeah, that's just how I'm feeling. And so <laughs> he's like, duh, Taylor. He's like, You're so, not and then I'm like, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm so sorry. But people, you'll notice it when you're when you're silver lining or when you're giving sympathy statements to people, they'll reject them, even if they don't know that they're doing it. So they'll say something like that, like, mm-hmm. well, this is just how I'm feeling. Or you'll read their body language and they'll start to turn away from you or their tone yeah. will change because they're like, yeah, nope, not a safe space here. And then they just stop. They just stop. So you got you have they to notice those cues in people. Yeah. But it's hard. You got to be in it to hear it or else like Logan, they'll just say, that's just how I'm feeling, Taylor. <laughs> Jeez, what's yeah. wrong with you? Yeah. So if we're talking about the cues that we can follow and kind of catch on to, what are some of the things that you guys see in therapy that cues you into how your client's doing and how they're feeling and whatnot? Oh, well, all their nonverbals, first yeah. and foremost. Mm-hmm. You know, where are they looking? Are they making eye contact with me? Are they looking down at the floor? Are they sitting very rigidly with their legs shaking? I mean, Mm -hmm. they're probably feeling some anxiety. Are they just kind of slumped over and like they don't really care? Or are they just kind of with the teens? I feel like they just, if they're feeling comfortable and they're feeling pretty good, they'll just kind of sprawl out on the couch and just have a chill conversation with me. So Mm nonverbals for sure is number one. Yeah. And I found that if you pay attention for those cues, you can really quickly correct it and calm them down and bring them back on board by realizing, oh, whoops, I was not listening and validating and hearing Mm -hmm. them. And I think that it's nice to take responsibility for that instead of being like, well, if they don't want to talk to me, we're not going to talk. But saying, oh, I'm not creating a safe environment. So I need to backtrack And literally, I just rewind in my brain and say, okay, like, what was my tone of voice? What was I doing? Yeah. Yeah. And then I try and work through it. And some, like, teenagers and some more avoidant people are just going to be more shut down. But there's going to be other people where if you can soften your voice or if you can kind of slow things down or reiterate what they said, they're going to pick up right where they were and give you a lot more information, which is so helpful if you're trying to communicate with them. Yeah. I like what you said about writing what you're doing with your own body and your own words. I remember it was like um, 
when we were learning in school how to listen to people, we recognize that it's not okay to look at a clock while somebody's talking to you. Right. And it's not okay to be like, like, yeah, or it's not okay to be shaking your leg or tapping your foot because then that communicates to that person that you're not really interested in what they're saying or you're waiting till the conversation is over. And making eye contact is really important, being engaged, not looking away constantly. I mean, because we all know what it's like when you're telling somebody a story and they start looking around the room for what we don't know, but they're looking for something that is not you, you know? And so you think about what message that sends to you, that sends you the message that, well, they're not interested in me. They'd rather be doing something else and they want me to stop talking, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. recognizing what's going on in your own body as well. All right. That's some good stuff. So let's segue now to how we communicate what we're feeling. So something I teach my clients a lot is how to use I feel statements. So it's a really simple way to just communicate in a very simple sentence what you're feeling so that somebody else can connect to that and understand you. So saying something like, I felt really hurt when you wrote my name and some mean things on the bathroom stall door. And then you mm-hmm. could Does follow- that happen? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> 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 horrible. And then that it gives that person an opportunity to then respond because they understand the emotion that that person's feeling. And the big thing is that you're not blaming it on them. Like, I feel this way because this happened instead of you made me mad. Mm -hmm. So you're taking responsibility for your own emotion, which is a huge first step. Mm -hmm. And that's why you use that I statement. Yeah. Instead of saying, you made me feel bad by what you wrote on the bathroom door. You're saying, mm-hmm. I feel hurt because I saw that there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's confronting somebody, but it's doing it in a way that gives them more information to go off of and helps them mm-hmm. connect. So when you use those I feel statements, it really gives us this opportunity to be very vulnerable with our feelings and what's happening. And so the deeper that you can dig into that statement, the more effective your communication is going to be. If you say, I felt bad. They're going to be like, okay. But if you say, I felt rejected when you came home and didn't acknowledge me, they're going to understand a lot better what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to be a lot more motivated to fix it and help. So that's where using that feelings wheel that we introduced to you guys last episode is going to be really helpful because you can say, hey, I felt, and then go to the feelings wheel and find that specific feeling. Mm-hmm. And share that. And the more vulnerable you can be and the more specific with that because reason, they're going to feel a lot better. Yes. And I love that um, example that you just gave about that person feeling rejected because instead of the person, I don't know, I feel like if somebody says that to me, instead of focusing on the whole like, well, I didn't ignore you when I came in, their their first response is going to be, whoa, you felt rejected? Like, explain yeah. that to me. Like, how did that happen? A good person generally is going to try and repair that immediately, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, I didn't mean to reject you. I just had a million groceries in my arm. How can I make this better? Which is going to open that door to communicating and being together and connected. But you have to be vulnerable first. Jessica, I really liked how you're talking about just being vulnerable because I think a lot of times people just kind of do surface level communication. They just Mm kind of say the basics of what was going on. They don't really 
dig deep into it. And this made me uh, think of this quote by Brene Brown that I love. So Brene Brown, can I just say she's my homegirl? Champion. She's every... She is the greatest social worker ever. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So she said, people often silence themselves or agree to disagree without fully exploring the actual nature of the disagreement for the sake of protecting a relationship and maintaining connection. But when we avoid certain conversations and never fully learn how the other person feels about all of the issues, we sometimes end up making assumptions that not only perpetuate but deepen misunderstandings, and that can generate resentment. Yes. If you're going to be communicating about something that's tough or how you're feeling, go all in. Just Mm -hmm. get it all out. Because if you don't, I mean, that really can breed resentment, like she said, because we're not we're not tying up all the loose ends. There's just kind of all these things left hanging out that we're not taking care of. So the idea is that when you have a long-term relationship, you kind of have the same disagreements over and over again, and you just are trying to learn how to do it better. And so that's why communication skills can come in handy, because then you can actually move your conversation forward. And I know that Elliot and I had a huge disagreement on his schooling when we were first married, and I bred so much like so much re- resentment through the course of that. And it was literally like a two year, I would just get more and more angry at him for not going back to school. And he's over here being like, I don't want to go back to school, (laughs) which is totally valid. But we had totally differing things. And the truth was, is that at the root of that, we both had these very vulnerable insecurities that we weren't sharing with each other. And eventually we did share those. And then it came to the point where we could actually have the conversation about it and say, okay, I can see where you're coming from, Elliot, because I understand your actual emotions rather than just like him being like, I don't want to go to school. I hate school. Get off my back. Mm -hmm. And it became this like, oh, now you're opening up and sharing why school is so difficult for you and what makes you feel that way. Now I have a lot more empathy for you. And so then I can then assist you and we can kind of move forward and I can Mm -hmm. support you in whatever decision we decide to make. Yeah. I love that example. And I think going off of that, it's just important to remember that communication needs to be reciprocal, Mm -hmm. right? We kind of talked about it with listening, but there needs to be back and forth. There can't just be one person willing to be vulnerable and share because if the other person's not willing to then meet them, that's going to shut the first person down. It's Mm -hmm. not reciprocal. It's not a give and take. And that's what healthy communication looks like. There is give and take. You're meeting each other halfway. You're talking it out together, working through it. Yeah. And that can take, you know, a while sometimes, but it's definitely worth it. And I think something too, kind of my rule for myself is I don't try to have conversations with people when I'm feeling reactive. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of let things sit for a while because Mm -hmm. maybe I'm jumping to conclusions. Maybe I'm just being moody. Maybe, you know, it could be a number of things. Maybe I'm reacting from a place of stress from my work day. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to hash that out in a 
way that's going to hurt my relationships with people. I need to first kind of take a step back, assess what's going on with myself, assess what I'm looking for in a conversation with somebody. And then when I'm ready and feel like I can do that, you know, asking somebody if they can have that conversation with me because Mm -hmm. maybe they too need to take a step back, need some time. But I think when you and that other person are ready to come together and have that conversation in a healthy and secure way, I think it can really work. Yeah. Yeah. You just have to be careful with those avoidance that you don't say, I'm going to wait till this doesn't bother me anymore. And then when it, you wake up in the morning or it's a new day or it's been an hour and it doesn't bother you, you say, well, we don't need to address it because it doesn't bother me anymore. There's no waves right now. So we're good. Yes. It will resurface. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's going back to, you know, our last episode when I talked about being avoidant. That is how I used to handle things. It mm-hmm. would never be the, okay, now I'm calm. I'm going to have that conversation. It would be, okay, now I'm calm. I'm just going to never have it. Yeah. So you have to commit to yourself. Okay, I'm going to take some time to really assess this, but then I'm going to do the hard thing and I'm going to initiate the conversation. Yeah. And something that I tell couples to do when I'm working with them, if they're having a disagreement or something, and one of them is just like, sometimes one person needs time, like you mentioned, like either they're tired or they're feeling reactive or it's just not going to work. But I always tell them to say, you know what, I need some time. And then give a time limit. So if it's the evening and you need some time, which means I just need to like go on a walk. And when I come back, we're going to talk about this. But you always name when you're going to talk about it. And so whether that is, you know, I I can't do this right now. I'm feeling this way. And we can talk about this tomorrow morning. Or we can talk about this in 10 minutes. Or we can talk about this tonight or something so you're not just saying we'll talk about this later and then you're creating space for that to just go away and everybody feels calm and nobody wants to talk about it because it's hard you know so name a time that you feel like you can talk about it and if that time comes and you're still not ready then tell that person you know we're supposed to talk about this morning I'm still feeling this way let's do this tonight so you're so you're always creating a time to show that person that you do want to figure it out that's awesome I like that a lot So when we talk about bringing listening and communicating your feelings together, that can feel a little overwhelming. So that's why I love Heidi Schleffer. She is a psychologist and she does relationship work with her and her husband. They go around all over the world and they do these relationship workshops. And she creates an image that I have found so helpful in my life, but also in my practice as well. So when you're coming together with somebody to talk, maybe it's about something hard, maybe it's about how you're feeling, you imagine a bridge. It's a really big bridge and it's stone and it goes over some sort of water or something. And on one side, I'm going to use my name and my husband's name for this example. So on one side, we have Taylor's world. (laughs) And I know this sounds weird, but it's very helpful. So on one side, we have Taylor's world. And in my world is everything me. It's my personality. It's my characteristics. It's my biases. It's my judgments, my feelings. It's everything that is me. 
And across the bridge, we have Logan's world. And everything of Logan is over there as well. And so when you sit down with somebody, Logan and I literally used to practice this when we were newly married. We would sit across the floor from each other. And then we would imagine, we'd take a couple minutes and we'd imagine our world. And we'd imagine a bridge being created between us. And that bridge is a safe space. It's a space because when, when you're talking to somebody, when you're communicating, you're creating an energy and you're creating a space between the two of you. And the more time you work on it, the safer and the more secure that space becomes. And so that takes a lot of practice, but it's, it becomes something that's very sacred because when you're with somebody for a while, there's a lot of hard things that happen in your life and you need a safe, secure energy and space between you that even if you're talking about something hard, you know that that person's going to be there for you and they're not going to abandon you. And so you're focusing on that space. And so you're seeing a bridge. And what you do is when it's Logan's turn to talk, when he needs to verbalize how he's feeling, when he needs to get things out, when he needs to talk about his emotions, I literally imagine myself leaving my world and slowly walking across the bridge. And as I walk across the bridge, I take a couple minutes and I leave everything that is Taylor behind. All of my experiences, all of my past, all of my defensiveness, everything that is me, I leave behind. And I slowly detach myself from that and I walk over to Logan's world. When I get there, Logan then uses things like I statements. He focuses on feelings because he's being respectful and he recognizes the sacrifice that I'm making by leaving my world and coming to his. And there he talks to me. He tells me his feelings. And when I hear them, I don't hear to react and I don't hear according to how Taylor would feel. I'm with him in a stage of empathy. Everything that he's saying, I'm feeling so overwhelmed right now. I'm feeling scared. I'm feeling all of these things, even if those things pertain to me. Even if he's saying, I felt really rejected when I came home last night and you were focusing on work and you didn't even say hi to me. That would be a great opportunity for Taylor to be like, whoa, 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 I had a deadline. I had a deadline. It was in three minutes. What do you expect me to do? But I don't say that. I focus on the fact that he felt rejected. And I sit there with him and I say, wow, that must have been really hard for you to feel that way and to feel like I didn't care that you were home. Right? So I'm with him. So he does his thing. I'm with him completely. But then that's set. But then you're saying, well, Taylor, what about you and your world? You just left it behind. So then what I do is you know, I, I paraphrase for him and everything and I'm there for him. And then when he's finished, when he feels like he's done, we both turn around and we walk over the bridge together. And so I walk back to my bridge, which is my space. And Logan then detaches himself from Logan's world, slowly and slowly detaching everything that is him. And he comes to my world and then it's my turn. And this is important. It's not my turn to then defend myself. It's not my turn to say, okay, now, according to everything that you said, this is what I have to say. Mm-hmm. I focus on my feelings and his sacrifice for coming to me. And I say maybe something like, yeah, you know, when you walked in the door, I was feeling so scared that I was going to miss that deadline. I was feeling so afraid that I was going to get in trouble by my boss and I didn't know what to do. So I don't address the fact that he was feeling re- that he was feeling rejected. I tell him how I'm feeling. And then he can say to himself, wow, like I may have felt rejected, but I had no idea what was going on with her. Like, and then he says, oh, wow, like that must have been a really scary thing that you were going to get in so much trouble for missing that deadline. Right. So then he listens to me. We do our thing. And then when I feel finished and validated and everything, then you come apart. 
that makes sense. So the bridge can be a very helpful tool for people that are constantly feeling like they're missing each other or um, people that are feeling really defensive and they they want to be there for that person, but they're having a hard time detaching from everything that is them and fully immersing themselves in that other person's world. So anyways, and the I bridge can, see, can be good. Yeah. I can see it just being like a shortcut to being able to say, I feel like you're not hearing me. So you can just say like, Hey, how about you come across the bridge with me? And then I can come across the bridge with you. And so you guys know what you're talking about, but it's not like, I feel like you're not listening to me. You're not understanding me. Mm -hmm. It's like, Hey, can you come to my world and hear me for a minute? And then I'm happy to go to your world and listen to you. My mind is blown. (laughs) (laughs) You're just like the queen of like guided imagery. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I She's just so go into this it. like calm state where I'm like, oh, I'm walking across yeah. a bridge. And, <laughs> it's yeah. the way that my brain works. I'm so visual. Some people are probably like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> Get to the good stuff. <laughs> it is good stuff. I'll give you the first takeaway, everyone. Practice using I feel statements this week. So instead of saying, you made me feel this way, nobody makes you feel any way. So just practicing, I felt uncomfortable when you said this to me. Just try using those I feel statements. Promise it's a good tool. And then our second takeaway is to practice listening and using those reflective listening techniques. So saying, hey, I hear you. And here's what I heard. Is that correct? And using that throughout your conversation and practice doing that until you're able to kind of work it in in a really natural, normal way. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's yeah, okay it'll, if at it'll, the beginning you're literally like, so what I'm hearing you say is this. It's okay if that's how you start. You'll get better with practice and it will become more natural. And our last takeaway is make it a goal to be vulnerable or talk about something that you've been avoiding. Like we talked about earlier, it's it's a two, or like KJ mentioned, it's a two-way street. And so you can be the best listener in the world in a relationship, but if you never open up yourself and give that person an opportunity to listen and be there for you, the relationship just doesn't have a whole lot of room to grow at that point. So be vulnerable. Talk about something that is rough or like we said, something that you've been avoiding. Maybe maybe you've been having a hard time with somebody and you've been really wanting to talk about it with them and explore it with them, but you've been scared. So when you're starting a conversation with somebody and you're, you have an aim to create space and have a good experience without somebody and explore, that can be felt by that person. So just go with that. Try to explore. Try to be vulnerable. Thanks so much for listening, guys. And we hope that you'll join us next week as we start talking about some parenting skills. We're going to be going into how to set limits the therapeutic way. You're going to love it. It's going to make your lives a lot easier. So join us then. If you have any questions or comments, please leave them on our Instagram, on the podcast page, send us an email, whatever you need. We are happy to help. We love you. Sayonara. Adios. Hasta la vista. (laughs) Thanks for joining us today. We want to create a community of inclusion where we can have conversations about topics that you need help with or have questions about. We want you to have a voice in this process, so please let us know what you want to hear about on future episodes. You can email us at thoughtspod at gmail.com, and if you search ThoughtsPod, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
All original music is composed by Milan Vrijic from Valley of the Bears, and our logos are by Rick Thomas. Thanks for joining us.